Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Hi, I'm Joe, and this week we have a slightly different panorama for you. An exclusive interview with Commission Vice President Vera Jourova. As Vera Jourova edges towards the end of her Commission mandate, she reflects on some of her successes and ongoing challenges, including a more resilient media and an ethics body with teeth. It's in the context of next year's European elections that the Commission's Vice President for Values and Transparency was invited into the Euronet Plus studio on Tuesday, the 26th of September, to take part in a conversation mediated by reporter Ella Joyner. Journalists from seven Euronet Plus member stations around the block took the opportunity to quiz the VP on her wide-ranging portfolio. So, one of our Estonian colleagues asks Jourova, what can be done at EU level to make the bloc's citizens more interested in European politics as we approach the election period? We need to show citizens that the EU is useful, she replies. And clearly some of its benefits are easier to demonstrate than others. The safety of consumer goods, for example, which fell within her remit during her previous mandate, is a fairly tangible benefit. But Brussels' hand in keeping supply chains open during recent crises is less immediately obvious. In COVID, the vaccination, the passport which the people could use, which was developed by the EU, the fact that in COVID time the people did not notice any obstacles on the common market, the supply chains were not interrupted and it was not automatic, it was a hard work of many people working in, in EU institutions to keep the lanes free. And I can tell you, without that, in Czechia, we would only eat cabbage and potatoes. <laughs> but the people did not realize that something is happening with the market. And it was the work of many working on European level. So these are the things we have to remind the people of and explain. Russian war, Russian aggression against Ukraine, energy crisis, many connected things with it. I think that the people realize that, especially the, the people living in our countries, in, you are from Estonia, yeah? So uh, from, from that part of Europe, we realize that if we would not be in EU and NATO, Putin's imperialistic appetite would really want to swallow us again. Now we are too big bite for him to swallow. Increasing citizen engagement must go hand in hand with combating disinformation, of course. With this in mind, Eurova has been pushing to tighten regulation on social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram and, of course, X, formerly known as Twitter. She has asked for her views on the suggestion that X may introduce a paid subscription model for accessing their services in an attempt to stamp out bots and thereby reduce fake news. The Vice President is on the fence about the impact such a paywall might have on disinformation, but points out that, whether paid or not, X will have to comply with the new European rules. Twitter was doing so well with us because the code of practice against disinformation was and still is a kind of voluntary agreement. 
rather demanding endeavor for the platforms because we want them to hire the fact checkers and get the facts right in their space. Mm -hmm. And we were working so well several years with the experts of Twitter. So I was also personally sorry that Twitter decided to leave the code of practice because it was also the opportunity to have a very open discussion platform on what's feasible in the world of technologies. And so Twitter is now missing. It's not an obligation to be part of the code, but it's the obligation, and I already said it, to comply with the legally binding rules, which is Digital Services Act. And there I cannot still judge how Twitter is going or X is are complying because we are at the very beginning of the journey. Broadening the lens to take in Europe's media as a whole, Eurova is asked how far we are from the bloc's media being properly legally regulated. In response, she is at pains to clarify that her intention has never been to regulate Europe's media itself, but rather the space in which it operates. By the Media Freedom Act, I want to regulate the space for media and create the conditions for the media so that the journalist can do the job free without fear of being spied or punished by the state for not being willing to disclose the information sources. We want the media to be also more resilient when it comes to political pressures and so on. Your question is, I think, about how far we are in the direction of adoption. I hope that we might have good trialogue with the member states and with the parliament. There are still several things to be discussed thoroughly where the parliament and the member states seem to have very different ideas and views. And it's always the task for the commission to play the role of the honest broker. The EU has now ratified the Istanbul Convention aimed at tackling violence against women. This is something of which VP Eurova is understandably proud, given the gender portfolio she held prior to 2019. It's true, however, that the main actions stemming from the Istanbul Convention, such as the improved protection of potential domestic violence victims, fall under member states' responsibility, and some half a dozen EU member states have still not ratified the Convention. How does she react to this? There was a, a clash or crash or how we can call it, with the conservative powers in several member states, conservative forces which are delivering alarmist news and ideas about how the Istanbul Convention might be interpreted in the future. And whenever I hear them referring to the traditional family, I am really upset because if this should belong to good European traditions, that the women are beaten at home, then we should really get rid of such a tradition. The European Commission has tied financial payouts from both its cohesion fund and the recovery and resilience facility to compliance with the so-called rule of law. Eurova explains the multiple layers of pressure that were at play in this controversial decision. When we were discussing on how to push Poland and Hungary to introduce changes in their system. We were also pushed ourselves by the European taxpayers and also European businesses because they are telling me it's rather difficult to do business in a country where we cannot rely on independence of the court. 
So we are ourselves under big push and our obligation is to protect the European taxpayers' money. That's why we enriched our toolbox with this financial pressure, if I can simplify that. Eurova has long been a vocal proponent of an independent ethics body common to all EU institutions. This said, there is a sense in some quarters that progress is slow, not to mention a healthy dose of scepticism about the utility of a body that has limited investigative and sanctioning powers. Undeterred, the Commissioner offers assurances that work is ongoing behind the scenes, and she resolutely defends the proposal. I don't agree that the ethics body, how the Commission proposed it, has no teeth or no power. It should be a very strong body setting the high standards, which will have to be respected and fully implemented by all the nine institutions. And I believe that also the possibility of the institutions under the ethics body to react on lack of action from some of the institutions and to bring such institutions to the court is already something. We want the, all the institutions to respect and implement in full the high standards. And I think that it might be a game changer. Of course, the ethics body cannot investigate individual cases and it cannot penalize people. First of all, we would have to create a monstrous big office uh, dealing with thousands of cases. Only for the Commission in 2020, I think it was 5,000 disciplinary cases. Just imagine yeah, the, the scope. And also, the ethics body does not have any legal basis. It's not established on the basis of the precise text in the treaty. It should be interinstitutional agreement. And it's too weak for possible sanctioning of people. I cannot imagine we would go that far. So... Vice President Jourova seems to be arguing that the ethics body will be both very strong and too weak to sanction individuals. Perhaps the two things are not mutually exclusive. In a related development, the European Parliament recently fast-tracked new rules on ethics and transparency following the Qatargate scandal. The Commissioner for Values and Transparency is asked if these new rules are sufficient to prevent future corruption. Of course not, she replies, as individual MEPs' personal integrity is the critical factor here. She congratulates the European Parliament for acting so quickly and decisively, but thinks that there is far more to be done, and a certain urgency to do it. We all have to do much more. And I know that Qatargate concerned mainly the members of the European Parliament, but the people do not recognise the difference whether it's parliament or commission or, or whoever in Brussels, the people will always say there is something rotten in Brussels. They have high salaries and they misbehave for our money. So I think that it's our common, <laughs> common obligation to do more. But coming back to your question, I appreciate that the parliament moved in the right direction. Because, of course, we are already at the start of the political campaign before the elections. And if something is discouraging people from going to elections or voting those who might have dangerous solutions, is that they are upset about the abuse of power, un undeserved privileges, corruption, 
and wrong communication. So I think that it's high time that the parliament mm. came with some solution. The question is, does it have time to do so before next June, when EU citizens will be called to choose their next representatives? Thanks for listening. Make sure you come back next week for a look around the Euronet Plus network.